This is a 2007 Toyota Yaris, 106 horsepower. I bought it used from a guy in 2008 with only about 10,000 miles on it. Yaris stems from a goddess in Greek mythology named Charis, and Charis really means grace, beauty, and elegance. Nothing is better for me to pick up my friend Pastor Otis Brown in because Otis is the embodiment of grace and elegance. He's the lead pastor of Holly Park Community Church. He's become a good friend these past months because he's been on staff with us over the summer. And I've grown to appreciate his passion for his calling, his depth of commitment to Christ, and his fiery preaching style. Hello? Hey, Otis, it's Richard. Hey, Richard, how you doing, man? You got some time for coffee? Man, I would love to go get some coffee. I'm almost there. I'll pick you up soon. All right, we look forward to seeing you. I'm Richard Dahlstrom, and this is Pastors in Cars Getting Coffee. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Good to see you too. Oh man, is this the Yaris? Yeah. Get ready. Get ready for the ride of your life. Few few people even fit in it. Fewer still (laughs) driving it. So you're gonna be part of an exclusive club. Man, it is beautiful. Let's get some coffee. Let's roll. People talk about you know, one big SUVs and stuff like that. And I'm like this. Why would you want an SUV when you can have all the safety of a Yaris? And 40 miles to the gallon. You can't beat that. It's incredible. It's incredible. Have you ever took it anywhere? Yeah. Oh, man. I've had some sweet road trips to places like, uh, you know, Billingham, (laughs) Olympia. You know, there's no energy wasted on stuff like Bluetooth and cell phone plug-ins or anything like that. It's got AM. Okay. It's got AM. That's my position. Like, what else do you need? Hey, great to see... Uh, your office, great to see the church, great to see what's going on there. But tell me a little bit about your call to ministry, man. How did that exactly happen? Wow, yeah, what happened was, you know, I was um, I was raised in the church, Richard, you know, and uh, I kind of went my own way, didn't want to yeah, serve yeah. the Lord, you know, and then later on in life, he got my attention, you know, and I, I came to him, I got sick and had a situation where I came to the Lord and I was like, all right, Lord, I, I'll live for you. Yeah. Still at that point. You were sick. Exactly. Yeah, I was okay. sick, sick almost to death. Oh, but man. at that point, I still didn't have a desire to be in the ministry. I just was trying to answer the Lord's call to, okay. to, to, yeah, yeah. to him. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, my father's a preacher, grandpa, grandma. Oh, really? Yes. Now, hey, one more question i got to ask you. Did you grow up in this area? Yes, I grew up in, this, in, in the Rainier Valley area. Oh, you did? Too far from and Park. so your parents as well and your grandparents? Exactly. How far back do you go in, in this area? Well, I, I came up, came in 71, and my parents have been here a lot longer before that. So. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm new to this area. So you got Northwest roots. You got exactly. Seattle roots. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And your dad was a preacher. Yes, he is. And he still is. And he still is. He's still preaching, yes. Wow. So That's I, awesome. I, I didn't want anything to do with it at first. I, I thought, you know, hey, look at I don't, I, I just wanted to come back to the Lord. Man, you know, uh, I think my youngest daughter's a little bit scarred because, uh, I would often, in the 90s, I'd go out and speak at other churches. Wow. And so one time I went and spoke at a church about, I'm going to say 20 miles from our house or so. And I took her with me, and, I, and then we, I dropped her off in Sunday school. Okay. And you know how after you're done preaching, sometimes everybody wants to talk to you? Yeah, I know. So she, uh, there's a bunch of people talking to me, and I'm sticking around. It's an hour, you know, after service ends. And then I'm just kind of wiped out. Last person leaves, and I go, okay. 
see ya, and then I and then I left. Wow. And I left her at the church without taking her home. Left your daughter. Wow. So meanwhile, the Sunday school teacher calls my wife. So when I get home, my wife goes, "Hey, uh, where's Holly?" And I thought, "Are you kidding me?" I left my own daughter at church. Wow, at the church. At the church. Well, how did you end up in at Holly Park Church in particular? Wow. Now, and I told you my dad was a pastor, and then he told me when I came to the Lord, he was like, hey, there's a church if you, you know, if you want to. No way. To. And then, so I end up going and I meet this pastor, Pastor Phillips. He was really an inspiration in my life. And yeah, I, yeah. And I, I had no idea what was going to be going on. He had been pastoring there for over 36 years. And okay. So I just came to the church and was faithful and was uh, being mentored by him. And I, next thing I know, he was like, hey, I'm retiring. You know, oh man! We're, we're, we're thinking. No that, way! This guy, they're gonna need another pastor soon. So the Lord just opened up one door after another one, and that's. And how how long ago was that? Wow! I came to uh, Holly Park in 2010, I believe. Okay. So and and it's yeah. So we've been there for about eight years. So that's like eight years. Yes, and I've been pastor. Man alive! Too. I don't think everybody knows how you ended up partnering with us, or we ended up partnering with you, so can, let's, tell me a little bit about how that happened. Well, it was a, a real unique situation about how it happened. Um, I met with a pastor, and his name is Roy Chang, and he uh, let me know that he was the type of person that uh, connects churches with yep. each other so yep, we yep, support yep. schools. So oh, yeah, okay. We decided to uh, see if we can support Martin Luther King School. Which is right near you guys. Exactly. Yeah. And then that's how I met uh, I met Phil Molding, okay. the congregational pastor, and we began to have some meetings and, and begin to talk, and he, uh, he, he he pursued me. I mean, he was, yeah. he was just saying, hey, we want to help you. We want to be able to bless you in your community. We want to yep. help you reach your own people. Yep, so yep. Uh, it was amazing how we how we did that. So um, after that, we went out a few times, began to talk, you know, and got to know each other. Uh, wow, we, we came pretty close, you know, we talked yep. all the time, and then earlier this year, I was playing around on the hoverboard and hurt my shoulder, fell off my kids, I was right. still thinking I was younger than I was, but you know how that be sometimes. The hoverboard. Yeah, the good old That's hoverboard. hysterical. Had to get shoulder surgery, and uh, Phil came to me, he knew I wasn't working, you know, my regular job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, hey, you can come be on staff at Bethany for the summertime. Which is perfect, just, man. And it just been open, the Lord's been open one door after another, and that's that's how I came to Bethany to be the staff. That's amazing. I've been blessed because of it. I really That's amazing. Being here this summer at, at Bethany for me has really been quite a learning experience. I have, I feel like I'm just in school. Thanks so Thank much. You. Delightful. Yes, looks good. I mean, just uh, how 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 you how Bethany operates with such efficiency. And, you know, <laughs> well, <laughs> if you only knew. Yeah, right? well, it looks like yeah, it to yeah, me. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I see the organization. So, I've been really enjoying that yeah, that, that learning process. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so tell me a little bit about how um, how it's been being basically more or less on staff because you've been with us in the evening services. Yes. So I, I've seen how it works out and plays out. And, and like I said, I'll start out with just, you know, how it's similar, you know, me being at Bethany and, and being under the teaching of so many different teachers and seeing the heart of the people I've learned that they all love Christ just like we do. We, 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 there's a passion, there's a unity about the teaching of Christ that puts us all on the same 
level and, and we love Christ and we love his teaching and with that you know being said I believe how we love and express our love to Christ that's why I've seen a vast difference Very how different. we express yep. our worship and how yep. how we preach and how yep. we teach and those type of things I've heard different. you preach man you are on fire well thank you, you. it's thank unbelievable you. thank yeah. you for that well yeah. I've heard you preach and, and I'm really moved and touched by it how you bring the word to the and Lord. yeah it's totally different it is both ways and the worship's different it is the singing's different yes and and so you have we have these two different cultural expressions you guys in your African-American setting, us in a predominantly white setting. Right. And the reality is, your neighborhood is becoming more and more white, and our desire at Bethany is to reach uh, a racially diverse population that lives right around us. Wow. So I think both of us can learn from each other here. How can we help each other in both of those problems? Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yes, I, and I believe, Richard, that, you know, what you're saying, our neighborhood is becoming more and more predominantly white. I, I believe that God has placed us together for this season, for this time. I don't, I don't think this is an accident or something we just decided to do. I mean, it's do. amazing how the partnership came about. <laughs> yes. So yes. God is in it. That's yes. right. Yes. Yeah. So I, I believe that God has sent you into our lives to help us with this situation so that we can be more multi-ethnic. We can... Uh, appeal to a people that would not just be one-dimensional, but yep. feel comfortable when they yep. walk in Holly Park. And if you were to give a word to Bethany, what we need to do to help expand our reach so that we are able to be as diverse as our neighborhood, what would your word be to us? I, I would say to Bethany, I mean, first of all, I've seen how, how, how you have reached your neighborhood already and, and it looks like you're doing quite an, an excellent job but the next level of it what I would be saying is as you, as you are bringing more diverse leaders into your camp I, I see that you have a lot of you have some Asian influence mm -hmm. some Korean mm -hmm. influence and, and your influence is just not in the background I, I believe that is great wisdom mm -hmm. on the part of Bethany I, I see many leaders here that, that preach and teach mm -hmm. I think that is going to open up the doors to Seattle so that when they come to Bethany and they're not just getting one culture right, right. you are saying no we, we we are accepting and inviting every tongue tribe and nation yep. to come worship with us and you may come on any given sunday and see uh, a nation that reflects where you were and your that's name right. so yeah well that's our vision and it's very hard because uh not only is there a racial diversity there's a socio-ecological or uh, economic socio-economic diversity that i i think is super challenging because there are people who, who are living right around here where we're eating now who are uh, really struggling economically working multiple jobs or uh, coming out of abusive relationships yes. and that kind of thing. and then there's people with a great deal of wealth and when I'm preaching often I'm trying to challenge the wealthy people <laughs> to say what are you doing with all your free time and money Wow and I go what kind of how does that ring to somebody who's just barely getting by. Wow. Do you know? Yeah. Similar challenges in your own setting, a whole economic diversity as well? Yes, now as far as the economically, I, I don't believe our di diversity is quite as different. You know, we're, we're, we're a good solid middle class mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. You know, there may be some that kind of sneak into the higher, higher level there. 
So that's not uh, a big of a big of an issue to try and work that out. But one issue that we are trying to work on, we have had a homeless camp move right into the neighborhood mm. of our church. Okay. You know, so we in, in that sense that makes us rich. Totally. We're, so totally. we still can have it's the, the same, same issue. Then. It's the same Absolutely. issue. The numbers may be slightly different, but the the concept principle yep. is the same. So yep. how do we deal with people that don't have access to what we have? They don't have, have shelter. Exactly. The yep. same privileges and I think with with the mindset of Christ and with with that's what uh, in our culture we're rich in Thanksgiving mm -hmm. when you see a culture that's rich in Thanksgiving that is saying we know that everything we have comes from the Lord that's right and if we are mindful of that it would be easier to reach out to the the homeless and to the who don't have I understand that yep. Bethany uh, uh, has a great breakfast and a great home your food bank i, I see right, how right, you right. work that and yep. even you had a shelter down we're trying, stairs, to, do, so yep. we're trying to do stuff even though That's there, right. there may be some differences you know in, in income levels i think that you guys are addressing that quite we well really desperately want to cross any social divide uh race uh, and socioeconomic divides and education divides because the kingdom is not made up of a group of people that all look the same or make the same amount of money or have the same education. It's across the board, you know? And I think we can we can do that if we don't view ourselves as swooping in to help, but view ourselves as, hey, I've got a ton to learn, you've got a ton to learn. Paul says in Romans 1, I want to impart a gift and I want to receive a gift. And, and so often in our culture, it's hierarchical, do you know what I mean? Like a group says, we are the givers of the gifts, wow. and these people are the receivers. No, everyone's a giver, and everyone's a receiver. And what that does is it levels us. So that I, I just got to say, man, having you on staff, having you in our teaching team meetings has been incredible. Because the things that I've learned from your insights, seeing the text seen through a different cultural lens, right? Has enriched my, enriched my own preaching, you yes. know? And my hope, of course, would be that my lens enriches yours. And then it becomes mutuality. Yes. When I got close to Phil, he said, we want to help you reach Martin Luther King, a school that is That's right. close to you. Yep. But you guys had enough wisdom to say, we don't want to go down there and say, we're Bethany, we're here. We're just yep. going to help you with your children. He said, we're going to send you into your own culture, into your right. own community. We're here to, to support you, and you have done exactly just that. And, and we appreciate that because I, I sense that that's, that's humility coming from Bethany. I mean, it, it's easy just to say, I'm the big guy. We're, we're going to do it this way. No, we're going to come alongside of you oh, yeah. and, and, and help you reach. No one's going to reach your community better than you. It's good. And it's so good. we, if we can support that in any way, that's yes. what we want to do. But we can't tell you how to do it. You have to do it. Yes, bro. it's yeah. true. It's true, and we thank you for the, for the help. So how was it? Are you full? Yes, they, they got great. great food here. I, yeah. I can see why we like to hang out here. It's yeah, man. Really good. Hey, I, the question I have for you has to do with uh, the, the this book, One Blood by John Perkins. Have yes. you heard of it? Yes. Awesome Perkins book. says that uh, before you can rebuild the walls, there has to be uh, lament, confession, and forgiveness. Yes. And you can't rebuild the walls until you have done those things. Um, I really would like to unpack all of those, right? Do yes. you have a little more time or yes. not? Yes, I would love to talk about that with you.
That was such a good meal, Otis, man. It was lovely. I Thank am, you for that. I am full. <laughs> Except, I noticed you didn't really eat your food. I think you, I was talking too oh, much. Oh, <laughs> baby. We got to go back. Yes. For seconds. It's good to, good to have you. Uh, for those of you here this evening, welcome. We're, this is the fourth time we've done this today. Uh, twice this morning here, once down at your place. Yes. And now we're happy to share here again this evening. We do a series in September called Gather, Grow, Go. Uh, to kind of recalibrate and remind ourselves as a community what Bethany's about, because it's about those three things. And this evening in particular, we're talking about what does it mean to go. And Otis, as you've heard a little bit in our coffee and cars conversation, has, in my mind, has been serving Bethany as a missionary. You have left your neighborhood and come and been with us, and we're immensely blessed. I want you to know that and invite you to just thank Otis for investing his summer with us. So thank you. Because there's, there's things that, um, I don't know how to say it other than to say, I, there's things that I've learned that I couldn't learn any other way wow. other than by your presence in my life, and I want to thank you for that. So would you just pray now for our time together as we unpack those three things that uh, we were talking about the coffee sure. show? Father, we just bless you, and we thank you. We thank you for this time today as... Richard and myself has just been able to share the gospel, God, in this venue. It's such a privilege. Thank you for his heart and the heart of Bethany. Be with us this evening as we talk about you and what you're doing in our community. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so one of the, the, the conversations that we've been having has been rooted in looking ahead to God's vision for the end of time, when Christ's reign is fully finding expression here, right. here on the planet Earth and both in Revelation and Isaiah and in other places as well, but particularly those two books, the vision is very clear that God is joining all nations together. Yes. And Ephesians 2 in particular is breaking down the dividing wall. And one of my favorite passages is, uh, is Isaiah chapter 2, where we see uh, members of every tribe and nation joining hands and saying, literally, let us together ascend the Mount of God that we may learn from uh, Jehovah. This is powerful, yes, man. And, and, and so uh, your presence in our lives has been one event of many that has had us thinking, uh, how can we more fully live into the calling to make in some way that unity visible? What can we do to contribute to breaking right. down walls? How can we do that? And uh, so I uh, wanted to talk tonight about Nehemiah a little bit because the book of Nehemiah has a pretty clear pattern, I would say, of... Uh, the pathway toward reconciliation, restoration, and strengthening the testimony of the Lord. And it's this pathway of lament, followed by confession and prayer, followed by forgiveness and reconciliation. So we want to look at those three things, starting with lament. So to start with lament, can you read Nehemiah 1, 1 through 4? Yes, let's do that. <clears throat> the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaleah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa. Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broke down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days, I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God 
of heaven. And this is a powerful passage yes, uh, because there's this, there's this uh, thing that's happened. Israel has been in captivity, as we both know, and they, then they've returned to the land that God had given them. But in their return, uh, nobody ever bothered to rebuild the wall. Wow. So they returned, and they're settling in, but uh, something that is wrong is just, it's, it's become the new normal. Wow. And it's a tra- I think it's a tragedy and, and the recovery and the movement toward restoration, it never starts with a pep talk. It, it seems to start instead with lament, with this sense of, whoa, I'm here, but God wants me to be here. Yeah. And, I, and I see it here in Nehemiah. And then he, you know, he prays and mourns and fasts. But we see it other places in the scripture too. Yes. Where else do you see it? Yes, well, I see it real clearly with Moses because he was uh, woken up and lamenting when he seen that he was in oppression and his people were in oppression and the oppression had actually caused his people to begin to fight with each, uh, each other. That's right. And, and, and in my culture, that is something, a problem we have to deal with. We tend to lash out mm. at each other and it's because it's yep. some type of oppression. There's oppression going on. Through. And he murdered a man and because his passion was that yeah. pertinent that he wanted to deal with the calling on his life. And so he knew, hey, we're made for freedom. Wow. This, this isn't right. This isn't right. And though his means were wrong in the right. moment, his lament was appropriate, I yes. think. And I think that this is, a, this is a big deal that we need to learn to enter into because I see it other places in the scripture as well. In Numbers 12 through 14, uh, God says to Israel, okay, you've been here wandering around in the wilderness. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you into the land of promise. It's the land I've given you. I want you to go in. They send spies in. They come back. 12 spies, 10 of them go, you know what, it's great land, but uh, no, we're not going to go. We actually, we actually like it here. <laughs> I know we're called here, wow. but we like it here. And I think that this is like square one, the problem often for us as the white church yes. is do we know that we're called to reconciliation? Do we know that we're called to walls breaking down? Absolutely, we know it. We know it. Yes. And... Here's the hard word. We like it here. And until that changes, we'll never move. So, so what, what's been going on with you and me has led to, to, to some lament. And this has been actually good because the lament is leading to a motivation to move, to a motivation to do something differently. How does the lament show up in your own community at times? Yes. Uh, well, the lament shows up in our community quite prevalent. When we think about it, as of recent, of all the police shootings that seem to be so unjust and, and how that affects us and how do we, how do we uh, you know, lament that and go through that pain. And speaking of recently, as the, uh, uh, the parishioners, there was nine of them that were shot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Emmanuel. At, yes, at yeah. an AME church. That's and, right, in South Carolina. Wow, and yes, exactly. And I, I remember recalling uh, my wife, uh, we was going to Bible study even close to that evening, mm. and she was speaking to me saying that she was scared. Yeah. She was scared. Scared yeah. to go to you, scared the to go, church that you leave? Yeah, at Holly Park. Yes. Yeah. See, she's asked me, are we going to still have Bible study tonight? You know, and I, I was trying to be tough. I was scared myself, Richard. And I was like, we're, we're going to go by faith. We're going to wow. just go and pray. But it's, it's, it's not a good feeling wondering if someone's going to come in and just shoot you just because you want to study God's And then word. when you came together that night, did you, did you guys discuss that? Because yes, we did. We, we had to talk about it. We cried about it. And we prayed for it and, and you know, prayed about it. But it put a passion in us. You yeah. know, not, not an anger, but a passion to, to see things get better. 
Yeah. To, to see how God can fix it. And, 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 and sometimes it's those events, the, uh, one book calls them catalytic moments. Yes, exactly. That, that will kind of shake us awake. And we, we, need, the, we need those moments, I we think. Do. We We had one a couple of summers ago. Our, our uh, lead pastors of, like, we're six locations, so there's several of us. And we gather every summer, beginning of summer, and we look at how, what we're preaching for the coming year. And we, you know, we pray together and build a relationship. And so we were off on a retreat. And at the end of one particular day, it was the evening time. This is in the, I don't know, July or something. Mm-hmm. But leading up to this night, there had been uh, uh, white on black police shootings. White on black, white on black. Like two or three of them. And, and then uh, we're... We're sitting around, and somebody gets a text on their phone, a news feed thing, saying that there's been a police shooting in Dallas. And I don't remember how many police officers were, were killed. But it was a terrible event. And we turned the TV on. And um, man, Otis, something happened in the room uh, to us that night that changed us. Wow. And it was, a, it was, a, it was a, the first, I think, collective lament over the state of race relations for our for our lead pastor, it was the first time we had that collective lament. We're, maybe we're slow to the table, I don't know. But maybe it's God's timing, whatever. Right. The point is, that night, we were, there were tears in our eyes, wow. and we were praying, and we said, God, we don't know what the next step is. We don't know, but we know it's not okay that this is the state of things, and we want to be part of the solution, yes. not part of the problem. And so I'm so grateful for that moment, but lament is hard. It is. It, it, I, no one wants it. No right. one, none of us want to do that. Right. And often lament can lead to anger. It can. Uh, it and can. people just lashing out. But in this text, it beautifully, at least a confession and prayer. And so in verse 7, what I think is amazing is uh, Nehemiah says in verse 7, uh-huh. uh, he says, we, he's praying to God, we have acted corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments nor the statutes nor the ordinances which you commanded. And in my Bible, I've got this word we underlined and here's why. Because I believe strongly that individualism is this aberration, not normal, it's an idol in American culture and particularly in prosperous white American culture. and what, what's so striking to me in verse 7 is this. Nehemiah says, we've acted corruptly. Now, Nehemiah didn't act corruptly. He did not build the wall. He, 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 it wasn't his sins that, uh, his personal individual sins right. that led to the idolatry, that led to the civil war, that, that led to the demise of the nation and the destruction of the temple. Nehemiah's a holy man. Yes. But he owns the sin of the people. Man, that's a... That's powerful to me because this individualism, I think, has, for years in my own life, I was like this, racist? No, I don't have anything to do with racism. I told you earlier, I grew up in Fresno, California, and in the middle of the city, so the high school I went to was very uh, multiracial, multiethnic. There were a lot, I had a lot of black friends, I played a little bit of basketball, played, played music with my black friends, and Chinese friends, and Mexican friends, and I never thought about it. I never thought about it. So that, for me, race was like, you know what? That's a thing. It's out there. It's in the South. It's not my thing at all. I'm not racist. I'm not guilty. And then I see this text, 
And this word we pierces me. Because yeah. I go, wait a minute. I belong to a people group that collectively has been involved in activities that have been oppressive. Not just in the South, in Seattle. Yeah. Housing laws, lines that prevented black people from living near white people. And, this, and, and, and those early decisions have perpetuated division between our peoples. They have. And uh, I just want to apologize, man. That's hard. That's hard. hard. So, one of the things I noticed today, worshiping with you guys, is uh, your community is so tight. You're, it's a community. It's yes. not individuals. It's a community. Uh, what's your secret? How do you have such a great sense of community? Amen. Uh, I believe, Richard, uh, like we talked about, is... Um, in, in our culture, you know, there's been a lot of suffering. Historically, yeah. obviously, we have been through a lot of things. There's been some injustice and some, some things that are just not right. But so when, when we come to church in our culture, uh, the suffering causes a natural community. Yep. That's why you see so much emotion and praise and worship in the black churches, because from week to week, we go through something. Mm -hmm. And when we come to church and say, we just made it. We're just happy to be here because we've been in that much peril. Yeah. Just driving can be dangerous at times. Yeah. So if I make it to the house of the Lord, I'm not going to be quiet. <laughs> I'm going to be glad. You're praising. This is the day that the Lord has made. That means a lot to us. So that community is, is just natural because we've suffered so many things. So when we come to church, we're on the same page and we're going to worship God in spirit and in truth. And I think... And I, so, I appreciate that, and this morning was just so beautiful to see your community supporting one another, people getting yes. up sharing testimony about being freed from addictions and different yes. things like that. It was incredible. And I, and I think in, in uh, wealthier white communities, the nature of the wealth enables uh, individualism. In other words, I have enough money that I can live alone. I have enough money if I don't live alone that I certainly have my own room and my own TV and my own, you know, entertainment choices and my own music choices. And it's all, it be, I become this giant consumer and it's actually a form of slavery. But until we acknowledge this idolatry of individualism and understand that we're called to be people in community together, until we learn that, we're not going to be able to confess the sins of our people. We're going to be stuck at individual confession. Yeah. And I think that this is, this is a problem, you know? So Nehemiah, he, he, he prays with a we, and, I, and then he has to wait. Yes. He's not going to do anything until, until God shows him a step to take. How does that work in your community, the waiting? I would think yes. it would be tempting to say, we got to move, man. Yes. We gotta, how, what's waiting look like? Uh, I believe the waiting in our community is something that is unique in how we wait. When we wait, we sing, mm. we cry, we lament, we, we hold each other, we, we have watch meetings, we'll stay up late. And, and in those things, like I was telling to you earlier, I, I, I would like to speak to the black community because if we focus so much on the negativity, it has caused a lot of us to be bitter and mm. unforgiving. Mm as we spoke about mm -hmm. this morning. And, and so with that, we don't want to hold on to that because it can cause us to be angry. 
Yep. You know, and sometimes, you know, when, 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 when we was raised, some of us has been trained just to naturally hate white people yep. and not even know it. And it's causing a poison on the inside of us. Yep. And it's killing us. Yeah, yeah. And it's not the will of the Lord. Yeah. So, so, so when we come to church, we want to let, let our community know that we are to forgive. We are to bless those who curse us. It is literally the call of Jesus Christ. So I believe that we confessing our sins that you talked about. Yeah. I believe it's a two-way street. Yeah. And I appreciate Bethany's offer and how the love you have shown us. You have started this. But it's our job to hug you and forgive you and say we love you. It's and the and call of Christ. You know, your, your, uh, your word this morning to your community, uh, I'll just say to you guys, it, it was a remarkable, powerful word that I will never forget. You talked about this is a spiritual war, and, and you said Satan has planted it in, in the hearts of your people to hate white people. Yes. And... And as you were saying that, the Holy Spirit was convicting me that, that Satan plants in the hearts of many white people to fear wow. black people for no reason, for no reason. And this, and I'll just share a story yes. that where, where confession became a real thing for me, and it was kind of the beginning of this journey that we're on together now. And it happened some years ago where I was traveling and I was coming home from uh, overseas teaching and I had a flight to Atlanta, New Jersey, then a connecting flight to Seattle. I get in late at night, New Jersey. For some reason, my, plate, my flight's canceled. And so I said, okay, I'm just going to, I'm, like I'm a pastor, I don't have a ton of money. I said, I'm just going to ride the tram all night long at the airport. I'm just going to ride around. And, and my flight was at like 6 a.m., so I thought, what? Uh, there's no point to get to a, some kind of a motel at 1 <laughs> when I got to get up at 3.30, that's ridiculous. I'll just ride the tram. So I'm, I'm on the tram. It's 11.30, 12. And then at 12.30, two big black guys in their 20s, they, they come in. They come into the tram. And it's like 1 in the morning. They got sunglasses on, man. They got all this bling on. And I'm just like this. They're going to pop me. They're going to kill me. <laughs> And I'm, I'm ashamed to say it now, but it, like, what was my reaction? I'm afraid. That was my reaction. For no reason, I'm afraid. So uh, uh, there was another couple on the tram, and I, then I said to myself, you know what? If they get off, I'm going to get off too, so I'll be safe. And of course they're going to get off. They're not riding the tram all night long. <laughs> Only I'm that stupid, right? So, so they got off. And when they got off, I got off. And then I, I went, I got on a cab, and I went, I rented a motel, and I didn't sleep at all. As soon as I got there, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit. Richard, you are living with a spirit of fear. And there's a, there's a scripture, right? I'm, in Timothy, yeah. I'm not giving you a spirit of fear. What is this fear? And I had to confess it. I had to confess this irrational fear that's rooted in a racism I didn't even know I had. And for me... That was a beginning moment. It's this confession. Something's wrong, right? And that individual con confession eventually has led to this understanding, ah, there's a collective confession yes. as well, you know? Exactly. So, so this has been a journey that both of us have been on, but that word this morning where you said to your community, uh, Satan has put this seed in you, I, I felt 
Satan has put this seed in us yeah. many times. This seed of fear. And it is, I would say to you, this is not from God. This no. seed, God is not giving you a spirit of fear. A spirit of love and power. And, don't you love this? A spirit of sound mind. Sound for mind. us to be the first to cross social divides. Yeah. Rather than living and cowering in fear. God forgive us for that, yeah. right? So, that's a thing. Um, and then, when Nehemiah confesses, it actually means that he has to go do something. Yes. And that's annoying because it would be nice just to pray and then not have to do anything. But in fact, he has to, he has to leave this powerful position and take steps that will lead to healing. He had to be, in a sense, on mission. That's what he had to do. Yes, he did. Yeah. So what does that look like in your community? How do you encourage your people to take steps of reconciliation? Well, I, I tell you, uh, Richard, we have just enjoyed uh, the step that Bethany has taken towards Holly mm -hmm. Park in our community. Mm -hmm. As I said this morning, you know, the, the Bible says that if your brother has an ought against you, mm -hmm. it's your job yeah, yeah, you to see. go to him. Yeah. And I was thinking, well, if somebody has something against me, that's their problem. Yeah. But, but Bethany came to us. You, you pursued us. Mm. And, and, you, and you blessed us and you said, we want to reconcile. We're not just coming with words. We're not just coming with, 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 with one time. We want to get into a partnership, a relationship, and we want to yell to the world that we used to think we was fighting flesh and blood. Mm. Mm. We used to think yeah. that I was scared of black people. Yeah. We used to think that I was trained to hate white people. Yep. But I got a word from the Lord and he said, we wrestle not. Yeah. Against flesh and blood. Preach it, man. Yeah. But against spiritual wickednesses in high That's places, right. in right. dark places. And we are exposed. The devil is scared now. Yeah. Because now we know who the real enemy is. Yep. And yep. he's been exposed all day long. Yeah, go ahead and clap. Yes, That's good. Amen. Yeah. That's right. Amen. So I want you to know, Bethany, that Holly Park is, and not only Holly Park, our community, we are receiving the love that mm, you have given mm. us. And I want to say this because I don't know if all of your parishioners know that Bethany, uh, they hired me this summer. Mm. They blessed me this summer. They took care of my family in a way where I didn't know what we was going to do this summer. Mm. Then at the end of the summer, you came to our church and you gave us a $10,000 check. Oh. Somebody ought to shout, <laughs> even in a white church. <laughs> yeah, hallelujah. So yeah. you are saying to me, we don't want to talk about reconciliation. We want to be about reconciliation. So God bless you, and we love you. Thank Amen, you for man. what you're doing. Well, and, you know, I just have to say, uh, I would never in my wildest plans have thought, oh, yeah, someday I'll be preaching in a black church in Holly Park. I never, and he it was, preached this morning. Was, he showed it. Was never, <laughs> was never on the agenda but Yo, uh, <laughs> it was it was it was so beautiful, man, to see uh, our, like that gift that we gave to you yes. was just a it was from us just a gift. Yes. But but you need to know, as I said this morning, you've given a gift to us that's that's incredibly I don't even know how to say it, but uh, this friendship is safe yes. for me. Yes. And because it's safe, there's healing. 
and there's power in that. So that's, in my mind, worth way more than 10 grand, but it's a gift. Yes. And I can only thank you, and I think we need to thank him for creating that safe place. Thank you. Thanks, brother. Yeah. So as this story unfolds, everybody's building their part of the wall, and every family has a part to build, and every, every tribe has a part to build. And I kind of feel like we're in that right now, where in the, in the wisdom of God, this thing has happened between Hyde Park and Bethany Community Church. And uh, it wasn't on our radar. It wasn't something that we sat down and said, let's do, go do this. God did it. Yes. And, and as we were talking the other night over Italian food, <laughs> I said, that's always, that's the best thing that can ever happen is to just be listening and sensitive to the wind of the Holy Spirit. And God has been doing this. And I'm thrilled with the reality that we have a part of the wall and you have the part of the wall. And now, in the, in the purpose of God, we have a part of the wall we get to build together. Yes, we and we want to continue in, the, in that journey. And that brings us to this last thing, which is this, this uh, uh, sign of reconciliation and forgiveness in Nehemiah 12. And so I just want to read this because it's so, it's uh, yeah, it's, I think it's powerful when, when we know the context, right? Yes. If you guys remember your Old Testament history, you know that Israel was a people group, 12 tribes. And then after Solomon died, there was a civil war. And they busted off and they became two different nations. There was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And then the Assyrians swooped down. They destroyed the northern kingdom. And then uh, the Babylonians swooped down and they destroyed the Assyrians and they kept heading south and they destroyed the tribe of Judah as well, which was the southern kingdom basically. But the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom, they hated each other. They hated each other. So now when you come to chapter 12 of Nehemiah, the, the wall is built and there's now a celebration time. And in Nehemiah it says, so at the dedication of the wall, verse 27 to 12, they brought the Levites from all over because the Levites didn't have a geography. They were scattered. They brought them all over. And they set up all kinds of worship things and music. And then they brought uh, singers, in particular musicians, from the tribe of Naphtali, who are a northern tribe. And then, verse 31, Nehemiah says, then to stand on top of the wall in two choirs, I had the tribe of Judah. Hmm. So you got Judah... At, at the, on the top of the wall, singing with tribes from uh, Gad and Asher and Benjamin and Naphtali, all these guys who previously hated each other are now worshiping together, and it is a taste, man, of, of heaven. It's yes. a taste of heaven. And, and I don't think we can appreciate this unless we, unless we see the context, but I felt exactly that way this morning worshiping with you guys yes. down there at Holly Park. Just a taste of that future. Yes. Yes, that is exactly what we felt like. I, uh, I still have been receiving texts and encouragement from the people at Holly Park about what happened, about the unity that was birthed, the, the friendship that I believe hell is mad at, but heaven is rejoicing yeah, at that. Yeah. You know, even in the story of Nehemiah, there was some opposition yep. that he was going to face. There's some people that's going to be mad at Bethany because you are the forefronts of reconciliation. You are going out and you are being about it because it's the will of God. Yep. But if God be for you, <laughs> who can be against Amen. you? God bless you. Amen. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's awesome. And I think to just to jump onto that point and, and, and affirm it, I think uh, 
we can look at Nehemiah and know, man, as soon as he set out to do this, he received, there was opposition immediately. There was opposition immediately. immediately. The people who didn't want it. And then they tried to talk Nehemiah down. And then they threatened him with physical violence. And, you know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is in the fourth chapter of Nehemiah, where these guys say, hey, come on down, man. Stop building the wall. And Nehemiah says, I'm doing a great work. I'm doing a great work. <laughs> and I would just say to you, uh, to we who are Bethany, actually what God is doing is a great work. It it's a great work. And I, I'm a melancholy kind of personality. I have no desire to do a great work. I have no ambition to do a great work. But this is a great work. It is. And, and so I, I think the next thing we need to do here is invite you guys to come and pray for us and for the work that God has begun. And here's why. We don't know the next step. We just did this. We don't have a five-year plan. We just did this, and it was amazing. What, and I said to Otis, it's going to be three days at least before I process all that's happened to me today. It's been <laughs> unbelievable, man. It's been unbelievable. So the, would you come and pray for us, some of you, lay hands on us, pray for this church, Otis, pray for Richard, pray for Bethany. And, and so we're going to invite you to do that. And there's three ways you respond. The, the, the second one is what I'm talking about right now. Would some of you just come up front and pray for us? And then as well, using these books, would you write prayers of lament and confession where you see a gap between what is and what ought to be? And you know what? That gap might, it might be about a personal thing, but it might be a cultural thing, and it might not just be a racial divide. It might be a political divide. It might be a socioeconomic divide. It might be a, a, a different kind of divide. But if God has laid it on your heart, would you just offer that prayer? Because lament is the beginning of restoration, right? So you can write prayers of lament, come and pray for us, and then also... Would you just prayerfully ask the question tonight? You know, God, what are you asking me to do? What's the very next step you want me to take in this journey? Maybe the next step is visiting Holly Park Church some Sunday morning before you come here on Sunday night. Maybe the next step is uh, uh, crossing a social divide personally in your life or reconciling a relationship that's broken. But whatever step we take, that's our part of the wall. And if it's a hole in the wall, then the testimony suffers. So God's desire is that each one of us would be responsive this evening. I'm going to pray now, and then we'll have some music, and then we'll have this time, and these are the various ways you can respond. And Otis and I will take our, our stools that we're sitting on, we'll take them down there, and you can just come lay hands on us and, and pray for us. There's no communion tonight other than the communion of fellowship as we respond in this way. Uh, Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for Otis, for the, the, the ministry that you've given him, for the calling that you've given him. Uh, it's so cool, too, God, uh, that he uh, was... Uh, mentored by the previous pastor who retired after 36 years. I knew the pastor here uh, who had an influence in my life and retired after 38 years. We just share so much, Father. Uh, And it's amazing to me how you brought us together. And I pray that whatever your heart desires, Lord Jesus, that you would find the freedom to do that in this relationship between these two churches. So bless this time of response in each human heart in the room. May your Holy Spirit move among us for your purposes and your glory. Give us clear next steps to take. Give us room to lament. Give us room to pray for one another. We pray in Christ's name.
Amen. Let's worship together by response.